morning and welcome to this edition of Bookends, the monthly Meet the Author session from the Team Approach, featuring books that are helpful for managers, supervisors, and HRD practitioners. I'm Susan Stamm, and I'm pleased to have Bert Freeman as my guest today on Bookends. His book, Taking Charge of Your Positive Direction, helps us learn patterns of speech, communication skills, and other strategies that will point us in the direction we want to go. To order a copy of Taking Charge of Your Positive Direction, you can go to www.positivedirection.net. So our guest today is Jay Burt Freeman, whose quest is to help everyone expand their capacity and make positive direction a consistent part of their lives. In the mid-1980s, he created a set of trademarked skills called Verbal Positive Approach. As a result, he founded Talk Associates in 1987. Since then, his work has evolved into Consistent Positive Direction, another trademarked uh, set of skills and, and process, learning, which is a, a higher dimension of human interaction. Uh, over the years, his programs have helped a lot of people in organizations, including the DuPont Company, Wilmington Trust, the Departments of Education and Labor, the U.S. Army, Avon, and the University of Delaware. Consistent Positive Direction became his life's work through seminars, professional speaking, coaching, and of course through his book. He has a bachelor's degree in engineering from the U.S. Naval Academy and a master's degree in human relations from Golden Gate University. In 1972, Bert was one, was uh, on the U.S. national was a U.S. national champion and a member of the U.S. Olympic fencing team in Munich. He is a member of the National Speakers Association, the American Society for Quality, the American Society for Training and Development, the Delaware Workforce Diversity Group, where he served as president from the years 2000 through 2003 the Metropolitan Wilmington Urban League, and Toastmasters International. He also serves as a distinguished educator consultant with the State of Delaware's Department of Education. Welcome to Bookends, Bert Freeman. Oh, thank you, Susan Stam. It's, it's, it's great to be here and great to have the opportunity to, to, to talk about our work. Uh, one thing I want to say before we get started is uh, I, one of the neat things about the book, Taking Charge of Your Positive Direction, this is one of those situations where uh, the the work came before the book, ah. and uh, so I, that, that's one of the things I like to to, to emphasize. So actually, the book is an outgrowth of the work we've been doing over the last 20 years. I I uh, suspected such, and I was wondering b- before we jump into it, uh, is there something particular um, in your past that kind of facilitated you? getting into this whole uh, process of, of, of developing the concepts in the book? Was there some event or some occurrence or anything in particular that kind of set all this in motion for you? or, or how did actually, it... actually, there was. In the early 1980s, my brother and I, as a matter of fact, we were in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we had the opportunity to do a youth leadership conference. And in that youth leadership conference, we decided to create a questionnaire for youth and part of the measure of that was positive versus negative responses. As a result of that, uh, and in looking at that questionnaire, I, I worked on refining it and used it for, for children and adults and, and, and developed some software to, to measure it. And from that, 
came the outgrowth of verbal positive approach because what we discovered was that people use negative words a lot in their in their interactions. Hmm. As a result of that, we we and in using these skills, we created the skills called verbal positive approach. It very simply said. How can we talk in such a way that we take all the negative words out of everything that we say and still say what we mean? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a, that's the short story. That's uh, it. That's very interesting. So, is that an assessment that that you um, have you know continued to refine and actually be able to provide feedback for people on how they are using language? Oh, we we can do it. Very seldom, very seldom do we use do we use that uh, that assessment mm-hmm. in in relation to that. Uh, we, we, we do it sometimes when we do some research. For example, we did a study for a for education-related organization, and we conducted that assessment with the students that were involved with that organization. And it turned out to be uh, 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 very uh, very interesting in terms of the outcomes. And and with with that assessment, one of the things that we learned is that for the most part, uh, what what we see is that on an average, people use verbal positive approach in their speaking in about 85% of their sentences. Hmm. And so that was real interesting. And what we show people how to do is use, uh, use these skills in about 99.7% of their sentences at least. What would be, you know, the, the um, implication for us if we were able to, to do that and really, you know, uh, change our speech patterns? How do you suppose that would impact our lives? Well, uh, the in the book, the book is called. Uh, we, we call it taking charge of your positive direction because we help, help people to do just that. We we teach skills. These skills of verbal positive approach actually evolved into what's now called consistent positive direction, mm-hmm. where actually ver- verbal positive approach is a, a part of that. But these consistent positive uh, direction skills uh, really position us in such a way that we have a lot of forward movement in the way that we talk. A lot of times when I tell people that I'm a positive direction expert, mm-hmm. they say, well, that means that the glass is half full, right? <laughs> well, if you want a full glass, then the positive direction is half full. If you want an empty glass, then the positive direction is half empty. If I'm backing out of my driveway into traffic, then for me, the positive direction is reverse. So the positive direction is the focus on the direction of the successes as a result of the outcomes that we want, all in such a way that we focus on what we want to move towards compared to what we want to get away from. And that's what we emphasize is direction, direction. I always tell people direction, direction, positive direction. So consistent positive direction is uh, described and defined as speaking and writing and learning and impacting reality in a direction of the results and successes and outcomes that you want. Consistent positive direction primarily involves verbal interaction with others. The emphasis is on applying direction toward the successes and outcomes comparing, compared to applying attitudes or thinking. Uh, in the book, from the first chapter to the last chapter, the, the readers can learn that they can use consistent positive direction in every part of their lives. The research shows that, that there's direction in the habits of expressing our thinking and our attitudes, which could impact our future. Even in the most demanding circumstances, a person can speak in the direction of those required outcomes or results. Also in the book, uh, direction is applied to, to respect, to, to conversations that really matter, to empathy, to effort, to endurance, 
to brain preferences uh, and managing differences and more. And actually, we show multiple ways to establish positive direction as a habit, even in the most compelling realities. We're going to get into some of those areas that you just mentioned in a bit more detail. Um, I'd like to, to ask you a little bit more about those. Um, but just one more question uh, about, um, you know, the, the whole idea of uh, your approach being very much a, a behavior uh, that anyone can observe, our speech, of course. Um, would, you, would you believe, Bert, that we can have an impact on our thoughts through our behavior, or is it the other way around? Actually, uh, we, we can have an impact on our thoughts through our behavior, and we can have an impact on our behavior through our thoughts. Uh, even in our, in, our, in our regular language, uh, what, uh, you know, there's some research that, that says that uh, whether, whether we speak first or we think first, they both have the same influence. On, um, on, on us and our, on our, and our attitudes. So one or the other can come first, and one or the other can influence the other. So uh, our, our thoughts can influence our behavior, but at the same time, our behavior can influence our thoughts. And what we see, uh, based on these skills that we teach, is that it's, it's almost a toss-up as to which one influences the other. It's the, the chicken and the egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. Uh, it's very interesting when you when you see that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and I think the reason being is that after you get into the habit of of, of doing something, like even if you change your habit of speech, you're 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 actually speaking as fast as you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, mm -hmm. many times. So they have to be tied together for sure. I think so. On page 33 in your book, you discuss the important and also well-known uh, research of Albert Moravian and Susan Ferris, but you share some interesting implications on the 7% um, statistic that they share in the research. I was wondering if you would um, share a little bit about the, you know, what their findings were, what their research was, and your reflections on how this impacts using a, a verbal positive approach. The, the the research of, of Moravian and Firth uh, states that, that the the biggest part of human communication is is body. Well, many times people have used this term that is, is is body language and tone of voice, and that research says that 93% of human communication is facial expressions, which is 55%, and tone of voice, which is 30 38%. Both of those add up to 93% which means that our speaking and our writing make up the, the remaining 7%. However, in this work, what I help people to do is stay focused on the words that come out of our mouth or the words that we write, because actually that provides direction. Uh, that language that talks towards the results or the successes or the outcomes that we want. Uh, you know, I often tell folks that you can use 7% of your human communication to influence everybody else's 93%. So however I feel and, and whatever my facial expressions, I can always speak in the direction that I want to move towards. Or I can always speak in a direction that, uh, that takes me closer to where I want to get to compared to what I want to get away from. So that when, we, when we talk about this speaking, even though it seems like it's a mere 
97%, it can have an impact on that other 93%, including within ourselves. And I, I really appreciated uh, the way you approached that because it is easy to minimize, you know, when you look at that piece being only 7%, but of course, you know, many people have indicated how, you know, once the, the spoken word is out there, it can never be retracted and words take on a life of their own. So, um, you know, I, I really liked how you talked about the 7% having an influence on, on the other parts of communication. I thought that was significant. You also uh, share some interesting data on pages 38 through 40 as you introduce verbative, uh, verbal positive approach. Could you share those numbers with us? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, verbal positive approach is to consistent positive direction like steering is to driving. Mm -hmm. It's the fundamental that says take all the negative words out of everything that you say pretty close to 100% and still make your point being as serious or insistent as you need to be. For example, you, instead, instead of using all the don'ts, won'ts, can'ts, wouldn'ts, couldn'ts, shouldn'ts, sad, worried, difficult, hard to do, dumb, stupid, ridiculous, etc., etc., those dictionary definition, colloquial definition words, you, use, uh, using verbal positive approach means, of course, using words like great, wonderful, and fantastic. However, do, do we all talk like that? But also, it's especially using everyday words like floor, chair, ceiling, the, and uh. For example, uh, in, instead of in, in our workshop, sometimes we ask everybody, how many people have ever used the term "don't forget"? And everybody raises their hand. And the example that we use is if a parent uses the term "don't forget" from the time a child is six to the time a child is thirteen, twice a day, and only on Sunday. They would have used that term over 2,500 times. And the last thing the child hears is forget, and that's compounded by the negative word don't, where we just as easily could say remember. Mm -hmm. Remember to turn the light off. Remember your books. Remember to go to school. Remember, please remember to go to school. And sometimes you just want to say remember rather than even putting a please on it. So this is a little bit different than thinking that you have to say the nicest thing. Or another example, you may be walking down the street and someone asks you how you're doing. You may say, not bad. Not in bad being negative words where you could say, I'm fine, okay, could be better. Uh, sometimes we use negative words for a lot of the, for some of the positive things we say, as well as the other things we say. And I'll say something like, I'll never forget you. Where in a positive direction, I could say, I'll always remember you. So verbal positive approach virtually says, take all the negative words out. The only exception would be that if someone asks you a question and the answer is yes, you say yes. If the answer is no, you say no. Then everything after you, after that, use verbal positive approach. A verbal positive approach is what we call the language of consistent positive direction. In, in some work that I've done over the years, I found that on an average, people use verbal positive approach in about 85% of their sentences. And what that translates to is using negative words in about 90 of their sentences per speaking hour. In the book, we use the, the term, you, 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 you'll see that uh, there's a table there that, that expresses that, uh, those numbers, and it uses the term OTP. And, and we've gone that far. Rather than saying sometimes negative words, we say uh, other than positive words. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, uh, on, on an average, and it says that we use other than positive words in about 90 of our sentences per speaking hour. Uh, I've 
using verbal positive approach consistently means using it in about 99.7% of our sentences or more, and that's based on a three sigma performance. But what it translates to is using negative words in about 1.8% of our sentences an hour compared to using 90 uh, using negative words in 90%, 90% of our sentences per speaking hour. Those of us who teach the skills, we have to use verbal positive approach in over 99.99% of our sentences. <laughs> that includes casual conversation and lunch. <laughs> Well, well, you started to talk a little bit about uh, OTP, and you told us uh, what that was. Um, uh, can you share a, a story, uh, you know, involving uh, OTP uh, with us to kind of illustrate that, that a bit? And, 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 and tell us a little bit about how we, we can practice, how we can use silent practice to help us develop these habits. Sure. Um, let me talk about uh, uh, let me talk about talkies. Because when we, in that in that chapter where we where we uh, talk about verbal positive approach, mm -hmm. there there are a number of examples that I can that I, that I can give, and then I can uh, 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 talk about um, tell you some tell you a, a couple of examples as well. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, act, actually, there's 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 some skills uh, in the book. There are different types of sentences that are identified that we people have to use in talking with others, and, and we call them talking talkies. There, there are nine different types of, of, of statements that we use, and I'm just going to uh, talk about a couple of them. So, for example, there's uh, uh, something called limit statements, and uh, limit statements are, are, are statements that, that, provide, that provide boundaries so, or that address boundaries. So, for example, uh, a limit, limit statements would use words like the highest or the lowest, or the most or the least, the earliest or the latest. Uh, and here are a couple of examples of limit statements. Uh, uh, instead of saying, for example, she's not in right now, not being a negative word, you can say the earliest that she'll be back is 3 o'clock. Or instead of saying it's not possible to drive to California from New York in one day, you can say the fastest that you can drive from New York to California is two and a half days. Or instead of saying I've not seen this report before, you can say this is the first time that I've seen this report. Uh, another type of uh, statements are statements of emphasis, uh, where we emphasize our point, we want to emphasize our point. Uh, a lot of times people think that, you know, I, I, the best way to emphasize my point is by using the word don't or by using the word can't. So, for example, I, you know, somebody might say that uh, you, you, you can't go outside right now. Well. Uh, or rather than saying that, you, you can say that you definitely have to stay inside. That word definitely being a statement of emphasis. And here's a couple of more. Instead of saying, I've never seen anything like that before, I can say this is the very first time that I've seen anything like that, very being that emphasis. Or I don't like the way you talk to me. And I can say, well, please speak to me with respect from now on. That word please being that statement of emphasis. Or that's not the right way to do it. And or some, somebody can say if they really want to emphasize it, there's, a, there's definitely a better way to do it. And let me, yeah, and, and so statements of emphasis are, uh, and, and limit statements are one. I'm just going to give uh, one other example, although there are many. And that's, for example, statements of feeling or emotion. And those statements of feeling or emotion 
really help you to uh, help you to express your feelings in a positive direction and still say what has to be said. So, for example, somebody may say something like, I was very disappointed that I missed a trip last week. And instead of saying that, I can say, I really wanted to go on that trip last week. Um, or I am angry with you for being late. So instead of saying that, I, I could say, I expected you to be on time. You knew how important this was to me. So I, I can still make my point using verbal positive approach and, and still say what has to be said and do it in such a way that, you know, I get my point across to that to that other person. You make it sound so easy, Bert, and you do it so, so very, very well. Uh, but I, I do recognize that this probably is a skill that we really, really need to kind of bring to a conscious level. And um, you, you do, uh, uh, you know, share in the book a little bit about uh, this idea of uh, silent practice, uh, which is the most powerful skill of consistent positive direction. Could you tell us how we would uh, develop these habits in our lives? Sure. Uh, when, when, we, uh, this, uh, when we talk about this skill called silent, silent practice, um, uh, uh, one of the things, that, uh, rather than helping, helping us to develop habits, what silent practice does is helps us to be understood. For example, the whole time that I've been talking to you, even before today, when we've had our conversations leading up to today, uh, aside from the examples that I've shared, uh, I always use verbal positive approach. The only way that you would have known that is if I told you. So this is different than walking up to somebody and telling them, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to use a little bit of verbal positive approach on you right now. <laughs> you just use it. You just use it. And that's what silent practice is all about. Rather than telling anybody that you're using the skills, you just use them. You know, when you make the when you make the announcement, then you, you it, it'll take you another minute for folks to get beyond the fact that rather than being positive, I'm talking in a positive direction. Uh, for those of us who teach the skills, sometimes when we express ourselves in a positive direction, sometimes we we have to help folks to understand that that we really uh, that that we're still saying what needs to be said. So I, I really like it sometimes when I'm in a room and I'm the only one who knows that I'm using uh, consistent positive direction because it makes it that much easier for me to get my point across and to help to focus everybody else in the direction that we want to move towards. And I would think that while you're not making an announcement uh, and you are practicing the skills that people are having some sense of something about your communication style and approach that's very powerful. Yes, as a matter of fact, that's, that's, that's very true. I, I remember I was on a, a committee, it was um, an accountability and assessment committee in, around education. And I remember going to the meetings, uh, and every time that I would go to the meetings, I would, uh, and this was one of the very few times I had the opportunity to use the skills in a setting where I was the only one who, who knew that I knew how to use these skills. Mm -hmm. And it was very fascinating that almost at the end of every meeting, people would come up to me and they would say to me, Bert, you know, we really like the way that, that you, you uh, presented that or, or, or talked about that. You really made a lot of sense in terms of what you were saying. And, and actually, using the skills, uh, what was really happening, it really helped everybody and helped me to, to, to take the conversations that we were having and really focus them forward. And, and put some forward movement into what was going on in the room. That's great. 
Earlier uh, today, you talked a little bit about, you mentioned the word respect as, as part of this whole process, and you, you provide a, a comprehensive analysis of respect and its implications in having a positive direction in our lives in pages 66 through 73 of your book. Could you highlight the four ways that we can use respect and the five domains you talk about uh, that we need to exercise respect within? as we engage in personal and business relationships? Uh, when, we, when we talk about respect, uh, uh, and, and actually exercising complete respect in a positive direction is, uh, you know, some people think that this is the most, and some people have told me that this is the most important part of, of, of consistent positive direction. Uh, one, one of the things that we emphasize in, in relation to respect is how important it is to uh, respect everybody. Uh, everybody has their own perception of what, what respect is, out, is all about and how to exercise it. Sometimes you respect me and I'll respect you. Other people say that you have to earn respect. And then there, and there are other different uh, perceptions of how we respect each other. And what, what Consistent Positive Direction says very simply is, uh, is there are, we have abilities to exercise respect all the time. So there are four abilities that we emphasize, and one is to respect everybody anyway. And I can I can respect everybody anyway. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes people feel I, people may feel that I have a perfectly good right to say whatever I want to that person, however I said, because of what they did or what they said. And what, what verbal positive approach, what, what consistent positive direction says is respect everybody anyway, and also respect people whether they're in the room or out of the room. Uh, sometimes. Uh, so if I'm going to talk about somebody, then uh, it, it's best for me to go out of the room to check to see if it's okay to talk about them before I do it sometimes. <laughs> uh, so respect everybody anyway. Respect people whether they're in the room or out of the room. Use the golden rule, which is uh, re uh, treat people the way that you would want to be treated. And then there's the platinum rule. Uh, Tony Alessandra, who is the author of the book, The Platinum Rule, uh, very simply says, treat people the way that they want to be treated. And sometimes that could be as simple as talk, when, when I address somebody, address them the way they want to be addressed, by their correct name. For example, uh, a person may, a person's name may be James. Uh, many times when I see that somebody, when we see somebody's name is James, we, wanna, we call them Jim. Well, that person may want to be called James. So, you know, I may call him Jim the first time, and he may forgive me the first time. And I may do it a second time, and he may be, forgive me. But if I call him Jim the third time when he wants to be called James, that becomes a real issue of respect. Mm -hmm. So treating people the way that they want to be treated. So those are those four, what we call them, four abilities of respect. Respect everybody anyway. Respect people whether they're in the room or out of the room. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated, and treat people the way that they would want to be treated. And we can always do that in a positive direction. In, in, in these areas of respect, it, it would be great if it was that simple. However, at the same time, uh, we, we all possess, uh, possess what, I call, uh, what I call these domains, uh, uh, these domains of, of, of respect. And, 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 and one is, uh, these domains are cultural domains, so we, it's important for us to know and understand that, that, that we all exercise ourselves out of these domains and, and how important it is for us to have respect for the different domains that we operate in. So uh, 
we say exercise cultural respect, and that's respecting people for whoever they are anyway, for their natural selves. You know, I, I, sometimes when we, we do uh, respect workshops or diversity workshops, I tell I help folks understand that my skin is brown, and my skin is going to be brown for my life. So, uh, you know, when you see me walking down the street, say, Bert, hey, how you doing? Understand your skin is brown, going to be brown for the rest of your life. You're going to feel real good about that. So respecting people for who they are anyway. Uh, and there's social respect, uh, respecting the habits, the customs, the preferences that we have, professional respect. Uh, and professional respect, if you and I do the same thing, then you and I ought to both have the, uh, 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 the same opportunities uh, for advancement, for promotion, etc., whatever our social makeup is or whatever our cultural makeup is. And then there's temporal respect, temporal pertaining to time. Time is important to us, so respecting what's important to someone. And then there's spatial respect. Spatial respect is pertaining to space. And we all have uh, different space that we're either responsible for or that we function and operate in. And, and that could be uh, the responsibilities that we have on the job. And so we're respecting the contributions that each of us has on the job. And so that's what we call, we call those the five domains of complete respect, cultural, social, professional, temporal, and spatial respect. And, and, and what that helps us to do is helps us to know and understand that, you know, in each of us, you know, each of us is made up of some of this. And sometimes each of us is made up of a lot of this. I thought, I thought that section was uh, extremely helpful and um, useful in, in looking at the way we interact with each other. In Chapter 3, you, you also use the phrase, attitudinize ourselves. What does it mean to attitudinize ourselves in a positive direction? Uh, attitudinizing yourself in a positive direction means to express your attitude in a positive direction, whatever the circumstances, while you still make your point. Rather than trying so hard to change your attitude, change the way you express your attitude uh, in the direction of that attitude. For example, it, uh, you might be seriously concerned about the language a coworker uses at work. In your mind, you would say to yourself, I can't stand the foul language that, that, that he uses around me. Attitudinizing yourself in a positive direction means to allow yourself to hear yourself in whatever the language and next, you translate that into a positive direction. For example, you can say, whenever he's around me, he needs to use respectful language. Or, from now on, he needs to use respectful language at work. You might still feel the same way. However, you can express your attitude, even to yourself, in the direction that you want to move towards, rather than what you want to get away from. It also helps you to use consistent positive direction when you express yourself out loud or, or in writing, uh, when you, when you take, take the time to attitudinize yourself and express your attitude in a positive direction. Um, the book expresses it well by saying your, your, your positive direction attitude is a skill. Your everyday attitude is a feeling. Whatever you're feeling or whatever your mood, you can always use consistent positive direction in expressing your attitude. Absolutely becomes a habit. In, in Chapter 5, Positive Directions of the Heart, you walk us through many examples of those OTP words other than positive words that relate to expression of our emotions. As I was reading some of the OTP statements, I couldn't help think that some of the statements seem to provide extra emphasis, even though they were OTP. Could you walk me through this a bit and, and share some uh, examples with us? 
Oh, sure. And one of the things about, uh, you know, uh, matters of the heart anyway, uh, in matters of the heart, there's probably emphasis built in in a lot of ways. Many times um, we do express ourselves with emphasis uh, when, we, when we deal with matters of the heart. So Chapter 5 shows uh, a number of examples in how to express yourself using the language of consistent positive direction, even in the most compelling circumstances. Uh, it's important to understand that you can still say what needs to be said rather than trying to say the nicest thing. Of course, sometimes courtesy is always in order and respect is always in order, too. So here are a couple of examples. So instead of saying, I'm so proud of you, you didn't forget your homework today, you could say, I'm so proud of you, you remembered your homework. Or instead of saying, and these are some examples out of the book, instead of saying, you made me very angry when you were late, and we used this example before, you could say, you know how important it was to me. I really expected that you would have picked me up one time. Or instead of saying that was a ridiculous performance, you could say that performance should have been much better. And if you really want to emphasize it, you can say that performance should have been much, much better. Or instead of saying I could never have made it without you, you could say I could only have made it with your help. And one more example, uh, instead of saying the way that you treated her was wrong, you could say I really thought that you would her much better than that. Um, so you, you, you do have ways to, to be able to express yourself in, in, relation, in relation to matters of the heart where you can still say what has to be said, still put the emphasis on it, and, uh, and, uh, and, and help the other person understand what your real feelings were. Uh, the, uh, on page 98, there's, there's an, it, it says that when you use positive directions of the heart, using positive directions of the heart means that if you care or if you're excited or if you need to be firmer or insistent, express that caring or that excitement or that intensity using the language of consistent positive direction. And, you know, having learned... Uh, by, this time, by that time in the book, you would have learned how to attitudinize yourself, and sometimes, sometimes matters of the heart uh, may require a little bit of attitudinizing yourself to get through. Absolutely, they certainly do. It's just amazing to me how, you know, when you language something in a negative way, even though you're, you may at the moment be upset, what you're really trying to do is turn the situation around, but by languaging it in that negative way, you're really doing exactly the opposite. It's, it's, uh, it's had a big impact and, and uh, has caused me to do um, a lot of personal assessment in the way that I, I speak, and I have really appreciated your work. Bert. We've, we've been talking to Bert Freeman today on Bookends, the author of Taking Charge of Your Positive Direction. I did also want to mention before we continue that um, next month on Bookends, we will uh, be um, interviewing the author of uh, The Nonverbal Advantage, which is uh, Carol, Kinsey Carol Kinsey Gorman, the author of Nonverbal Advantage, The Secret and Science of Body Language at Work. And we hope that you will join us next month for that interview. You've uh, really captured my attention on page 101 when you discussed creating and managing reality. I thought that was a rather interesting concept, that we could manage reality. Can we really do this? And if so, Bert, how do we do it? Well, actually, we, we, we can really do this. And, 
uh, and I know for even for my own life, it, it really helped. Uh, you know, we all we all have compelling circumstances in in our lives, and I've had uh, different kinds of compelling circumstances. I uh, back in in the early back in the mid '90s, uh, my my former wife, who was the mother of, of my children, I, I got married again in uh, in in, uh, in 2001. Uh, and it was great. Uh, it was great and wonderful, and we're, 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 we've been married for seven years now. But my uh, my first wife, we had five children, and uh, she had a stroke in 1996, and she was on 24-hour care for for three for three years, and then and, and then she passed away in 1999. Mm. But during the time that she was on 24-hour care, among other things, that I, I was an instant single parent, mm-hmm. and uh, even under those circumstances. These skills, using these skills, really helped to help to keep me focused forward, and also to help keep my children and my friends focused forward in terms of uh, in, in terms of even the most compelling circumstances. Many times, that current reality can be so compelling that we stay locked into the present and the past. You know, especially in, in our speaking and writing. Uh, I was doing a few a workshop a few years ago for people who were making career transitions either because of downsizing or by choice. One of the participants said, uh, I just want to get out of this state. <laughs> and so that, that impacted me. He said, he, and, and even in other matters that evening, he talked about what he wanted to get away from. Mm-hmm. But really the question is, well, what, what is the reality that you want? When you express what you want in a positive direction, you increase the circumstances really of making it happen. For example, that same person could have said, uh, I want to live in a state where people are more friendly or help each other out. Or I, I, I want to work for a company that has benefits that I can count on and appreciates my talents. Just by saying it, I increase the chances that I'll recognize, and I'll recognize it when I, when I see it. So just by saying something, you know, that, that happens. If I share it with my friends or my acquaintances or mentors, it makes it easy for them to help me to identify what I'm looking for because they know what I want to move towards. So, so actually, I'm actually setting the tone for forward movement when I, when I express where I want to move towards in a positive direction. On that page also, I refer to the research of uh, Martin, Martin Seligman. He, uh, his research was around learned optimism. He wrote a book called Authentic Happiness. And, and, and actually, the way we habitually explain the things that happen to us and for us has an impact on our future outcomes. For example, saying something like, everything I do always ends up wrong, or there's going to be a reason that it won't get approved. There always is. Uh, being in the habit of making statements like that, and those are statements that, those examples are in the book too, being in the habit of making statements like that increases the chances that there's going to be similar outcomes in the future for entirely different circumstances. So Martin Seligman shows us that uh, the way that we manage our explanatory styles, that's the way we explain ourselves or the way we explain what happened, actually influences our future successes. Using consistent positive direction and using the language of consistent positive direction, if the current reality needs to change, then we can express ourselves in a way that leads to creating that change. So instead of saying everything I do always ends up wrong, a person could say what needs to be done to make it work. Or 
I know what happened. I know what to do the next time. Or I could say, I need to improve my approach in terms of what happened. Great so there are ways that I can express myself in a way that I move towards where I want to go rather than talking away from where I want to go. Great examples. Uh, you provided a more detailed look at your opportunity models for action that you introduced uh, in the very beginning of the book on um, pages one through seven. Number two in the model is to communicate to do. I loved the driving uh, direction analogy, and you briefly mentioned driving analogies uh, in the very beginning of our conversation today. Could you tell us a little bit about this principle and um, your illustration? Sure. First of all, the opportunity models, there, there are seven opportunity models in consistent positive direction, and these are actually uh, the, the, uh, the elements of, of how we can interact in a positive direction all the time in, in many different kinds of circumstances, many different kinds of situations. Um, you, know, they, you know, and those seven are always talk towards where you want to go, always communicate to do, always pull allies in the direction of success, always talk about what you're for, always contribute your input in a positive direction, always exercise complete respect in a positive direction, and you can always empathize in a positive direction. When we go to that second opportunity model, uh, uh, communicating to do, uh, you know, we're saying that you can always always communicate to do, give do, give, uh, do policies, present do procedures, uh, you know, give do directions. <laughs> Imagine asking somebody for directions to, to get into, let's say, Market Street, and you get the reply, uh, go up two blocks and don't make a left, and go over two blocks and don't make a right, and you'll be on Market Street. Yes, but what do I do? What do I do? So that's why when giving directions, give due directions. And, and giving due directions actually speeds up the process of, of getting things done. I thought that was a, a, a fun example. Uh, the, the third um, uh, opportunity model, as you have just mentioned, is pull allies in the direction of success. And you also share a, another driving metaphor as you talk about this one, uh, and you talk about turn signals. Could you tell us a little bit about this principle and, and share your metaphor with us? Uh, sure, sure. You know, allies are, are, are people who are, are supportive and can be supportive or need to be supportive of, of, of our efforts, of your efforts. Uh, many years ago, I was driving down the highway, and I was the kind of person who, you know, who would, you know, when I would go to this lane, just I would just get over to the next lane in any way that I could. Well, one day my wife said to me, you know, it'd be a good idea for you to use your your, your turn signals. Uh, and so, uh, you know, as spouses, you know, sometimes we hesitate to take the the, the guide, guidance and suggestions from our from our spouses. But you know, ever since then, I I, I did. I listened and. Ever since then, I use my turn signals on the highway, and it really takes more than one car to let me over. Mm. And the reason is because I told them where I was going. And sometimes simply telling somebody what you want to do or what you want to accomplish is enough to cause that person to be an ally to your efforts. And that's why we call it using your turn signals. Um, in the book, I talk about an experience I had one year when I was in the market for finding a house to rent. I was uh, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and just I, I just ran across this person, and we, we had conversation. And uh, in our conversation, I was saying to my I, I was actually consciously thinking about using my turn signals to 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 
to say to, to her, you know, I'm looking for a house to rent. And so, so I did. And then we went, continued on with the conversation for another few minutes, and I was getting ready to leave, and, and she, she said, wait a minute. You know, I have a relative who uh, has a house that he wants to rent. And, and she gave me his phone number, and it turned out that that's the house that I rented. <laughs> and uh, that was one of those times when I consciously used my turn signals to let somebody know that, that uh, this is something that I need to do. So uh, those using turn signals can help cause people to be allies to your efforts. And we all need more allies. I think it's a great oh, idea. Yes, <laughs> you, you also talk about opportunity model number four, which is to speak what you are for. And you use the term four words, W-O-R-D-S, four words, as the short title. Could you talk about this a little bit as well? Yeah. Uh, this opportunity model says that you can talk about what you're for rather than saying, I'm against this. Now, we can say what we're for based on our values, uh, our opinions, our preferences, you know, whatever, sometimes our feelings and our experiences. We can talk about what we're for based on factual information or analysis, sometimes even, even our upbringing. For example, a person may say, based on our recent sales performance, I don't think we should allow four-day work weeks. Hmm. In a positive direction, the person could say, based on our sales performance, we must make a five-day work week mandatory. Or from now on, we must have five-day work weeks to improve our sales performance. So, you know, under those circumstances, uh, um, you know, I've, I've got information that says this is what we need to do. So actually talking about what we need to do is talking about what we're for. Or it could be a situation where I could say, instead of saying I'm against poverty, a person could say I'm for prosperity for everyone or I'm for comfortable economic development. So there are different ways that I can talk about what I'm for and still make my point and be very insistent if I have to. Uh, it's different than saying it the nicest way. Sometimes, sometimes I need to help folks understand that we need prosperity in our communities, for example. Mm. And I think that uh, is really a powerful part of the whole model and uh, certainly something that we need to see more of in our whole political system as well. Um, I, I, when I read about four words, I couldn't help but think of an old Our Gang movie where um, – you know, Spanky and Alfalfa, you remember them. They had a club, and the club was the He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> and the whole, the whole uh, you know, relationship between Spanky and Alfalfa falls apart, and at the end of the movie, because Alfalfa, of course, is a ladies' man, and, you know, he just loves girls. And um, he's not allowed to love girls because he's part of the He-Man Woman's Hater Club. And at the end of the, the film, there's this moment where there's this incredible uh, revelation, and he shares with Spanky, he says, why can't we have a club that's for something instead of against something? <laughs> it's really powerful. It's a really great story, and I, I thought it was uh, exactly what you were talking about there. Can I borrow that? Absolutely. <laughs> Look for the film. It's fabulous. Um, the, the last opportunity model, and you've t mentioned this briefly earlier, um, of course, is empathy. And uh, this can be tricky if someone is using other than positive words. Uh, can you give us some guidance here? Yes, yes, yes. This, this opportunity says to empathize in a positive direction. 
Uh, I also call it the MC, making the connection. Uh, many times we express empathy to show that we understand or to provide comfort or to show someone that we are connecting with him or her in some way. Many times we empathize with others, uh, or when we empathize with others, we express our empathy concerning what they want to get away from. For example, a person may express empathy by saying, you know, I know you want to get out of this relationship because you feel smothered. In a positive direction, a person could say, I know you need a relationship in which you have more freedom and the two of you are working together. Or, I know you need more independence in your life. So that way, I'm expressing empathy to that person in a way that I'm connecting them to where they may want to move towards rather than what they want to get away from. I'm still connecting with them, because, and I'm still connecting with their feelings, but I'm connecting with their feelings in a positive direction. Can you tell us also uh, about the seventh sense positive direction thinking that you introduce on page 35 in your book? Yeah, we, use the, we use the phrase seventh sense positive direction to, to connote the, uh, it, 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 it basically it's the automatic ability, that second nature ability to use the language of consistent positive direction. Um, you know, as these skills and approaches become more automatic in your speaking and your writing, and even in your learning, they also become more automatic in your thinking. Um, Maxwell Maltz, who wrote the book Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, and, and in his work called Cyber Psycho-Cybernetics, explains that the brain is, is, is a servo mechanism. It's like a computer. It does what it's told to do, and doing what it's told to do makes it cybernetic. Since the brain belongs to the human body, it's psycho-cybernetic. In addition to storing and processing information, it also develops habits. For example, driving is a psycho-cybernetic skill. And so, and so this positive direction is also a psycho-cybernetic skill. And it basically says the more you use it, the better you get. Soon your speaking becomes automatic, and then your, your thinking uh, you know, uh, goes right along with uh, becoming, uh, you, you even think more in a consistent positive direction. And that has happened to me. Um, I, uh, my thinking now is I, I think more in a positive direction than I ever have um, in, in, in the past, even, even still when some very significant circumstances come up. Hmm. I can imagine that that has, uh, you know, really helped to shape who you are and the direction that your life has gone. Um, you, and you talk about, you know, how we can help each other. You, you share a reframing technique to help those that we're, you know, having conversation with to actually get back on track. And you refer to this as administering VPR, V for Victor, VPR. Can you tell us about this technique? Yes. Uh, actually, administering, I use the phrase administering VPR, just because it was catchy, you know, I, I, I think I was thinking uh, of how to have a catchy phrase, and so mm -hmm. I liken it to administering CPR, for example. Mm -hmm. But VPR is an acronym that stands for Verbal Positive Replay. Yeah. You know, as, as leaders or facilitator or just a plain listener, you know, I can rephrase comments or ideas or concepts into language of consistent positive, uh, uh, consistent positive direction. And, uh, you know, actually, by, by doing this, I, I increase the chances of, of, of forward focus results, either from meetings or decision-making or, or even resolution, resolution of differences. Um, so 
For example, somebody may, 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 somebody may make the comment, we do not like the classroom conditions. So uh, my verbal positive replay would be so. The classroom conditions need to be changed. Uh, and actually, there's two, two types of verbal positive replay. One is what we call instant uh, instant VPR or instant verbal positive replay. And uh, the other one is called clarifying statements. The, the statement that I, I, I just used was a was a clarifying statement. But there are some some examples of instant verbal positive replay in the book. So, for example, uh, somebody may say, I bet you can't wait for the next batch of brownies. And uh, your response could be, you're right. I am really looking forward to the next batch of brownies. Or somebody could say, it doesn't matter how you arrange the room. And my response could be, I'm glad you're okay with whatever room arrangement we decide. Mm -hmm. Or somebody may say, children today are so rude. So my response might be, it's true today that, that children really need to be more considerate. So the, and, and, and I, so I, and it's different than, this, than saying the nicest thing. It's really saying what needs to be said, but saying it in the direction that we want to move towards. And I really, really you, you'll hear me a couple of times talk about, because some folks, the last thing in the world I want our listeners to do is walk away thinking they have to be nicer people. I mean, for some of them, it might be important. <laughs> However, at the same time, this really deals with direction, direction, direction. Absolutely. I, I think we have uh, time for one other question, and I was really thrilled as I was reading about you and learned, of course, that you had this fencing background because that was something in my youth that I was really interested in. And It, it, it didn't happen, but um, I was really quite uh, intrigued by fencing. And uh, then I learned that you know, this was part of your past. Um, I've often, you know, heard the old cliche about keeping our eye on the ball, uh, but you really provided some more insight into this whole idea when you talked about the uh, story from your experience as a fencer. Could you tell us a little bit about Galloway's research and some of your own experiences in, in fencing? Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, in the book, I talk about how concentration helps concentrate, helps consistent positive direction to work best. Uh, Timothy Galloway, in his book, The Inner Game of Tennis, uh, says that it, the best way to become a better tennis player is to concentrate on something that frees your body up to do what it already knows how to do. So what he says, he says, concentrate on the ball. Just look at the ball. Uh, in the year that I read his book, I decided to find out where to concentrate to be a better fencer. Uh, and, I, I and, and this was even after I went to the Olympics. Uh, I decided, uh, so what I did, I decided to concentrate on my opponent's point, the weapon, the point of my opponent's weapon. Well, after a week, I realized that I really needed to concentrate on something else because I kept on getting hit. <laughs> so I decided to, 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 to concentrate on my own, the point of my own sword. And, and, and the sword I used at the time was a foil. And actually, that was it. I got into the habit of just looking at my point in every bout, and that year I won more competitions than any other year before that, and then during the next year I had the same experience. And it helped me to understand that, you know, when you find that place to concentrate on, it can be very, very powerful. To use the positive direction skills most effectively, I learned that the best place to concentrate was on my positive direction. Rather than concentrating on somebody else's positive direction, just concentrate on my positive direction. Hear my direction. And, and, and when we talk about concentrating on our positive direction, rather than saying, I got to do this or I got to say this, just allow it to work. 
allow it to happen, and you'll hear yourself. And as you hear yourself, you'll, you'll, it, it really helps you to, help, it, it actually frees you up to, to, to know what to do. Uh, and it really does help me to be more aware of the direction around me, and, and, and therefore it helps me to be more appropriate and successful in, in the interactions that I have with other people. I thought this was just a really powerful example that just, you know, kind of underscored the whole premise of your book because when you were focusing on your competitor's weapon, you were not successful. But when you were focusing on the tip of your own weapon, which was, of course, the direction you wanted to go in, you wanted to use that tool to achieve success, it, it worked. And, and it, that's it, fascinating. And that's, that's, that's very, very true. And that, and that concentration is different than saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You just look at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then let your body do what it knows how to do. And the same thing with positive direction. You just, you just hear yourself and then allow your speaking to do what it knows how to do. Well, uh, besides your book, Bert, is, you know, which you've done an excellent job providing an overview for us today, um, how else can you help support organizations that want to master the skills we've been discussing today? Well, my, my company, uh, Talk Associates, uh, provides consistent positive direction seminars, uh, expert-assisted and coaching to organizations and individuals. We've been doing that for, uh, for over 20 years now. And our website is www.positivedirection.net. Uh, I do speaking engagements, leadership and team coaching to, to actually spread the message about how anyone can take charge of their positive direction using these skills and approaches. Uh, we provide a consistent positive direction or practitioner certification for someone who wants to have, <coughs> have the, the, the depth to use these skills in everything. Uh, we also certify facilitators in their respective companies to teach one-day and two-day consistent positive direction courses and to be internal resources for applying this work. Uh, we also have formed a partnership with an organization called Personal Dynamics Incorporated from Charlotte, North Carolina, to provide consistent positive direction conferences for professional organizations and associations and companies that, uh, that uh, and, and uh, and what happens is participants spend two to five days of learning and fun, and, and they leave with the knowledge and skills and approaches of applying consistent positive direction to their, their personal lives and their professional lives. Actually, Personal Dynamics has the expertise of, of event planning, coordination, and execution, and they've had that expertise since the early 90s. And, that, and so that was a perfect fit for us to, 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 to join with them to... Uh, to uh, because Talk Associates has these years of consistent positive direction programming and delivery expertise. Mm -hmm. So together we created, uh, we can create a powerful and memorable conference and, and for anybody who wants to, wants to do that. And the best part about it is we do all the work and the sponsoring organization gets all the kudos. Yeah, that's so great. a range of consistent positive direction conference, for example, they can contact us at www.personaldynamics.net. Or they can call, and, and if everybody has a pencil and they want to write this down, uh, you know, please feel free. Um, they can call area code 704-366-9555. And for all of the other consistent positive direction options, uh, you can go to our website, and our website is at www.positivedirection.net, 
or call uh, 888-43-492-7110. And, uh, of course, of course, there's the book, and uh, the book is available uh, on our website if you want a signed copy uh, at www.positivedirection.net, or you can get the book on Amazon.com as well. Well, thank you, Bert, for your wonderful interview today and for your wonderful work and, and your book. And uh, as Bert has just indicated, to, to order a copy, a signed copy of his book, you can visit his website, www.positivedirection.net. Again, want to mention our August edition of Bookends, where we will feature the book The Nonverbal Advantage by Carol Ginsey Gorman. Um, that will be held on August the 22nd. And um, to be sure that you always are in the know about our Bookends events, please go to teamapproach.com and sign up for our news list or our special Bookends news notification. You can find all of these under the free stuff button on our website today. You'll also find the archived recordings from all of our bookend sessions. You'll find that in the free stuff area of our website. I uh, once again want to thank you, Bert, for being our special guest on Bookends today, and uh, we will forward any questions we've received uh, directly to you since we have run out of time this morning. And uh, just really want to thank you for sharing all of your experience, your expertise with each of us, and uh, hoping you have a positive direction as you move forward. I, I'm Susan Stamm, and I hope to see you next month. 